and welcome to episode 18 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. And I'm Isaac. And coming up, we'll be speaking to Dan Knight about Diet Pi. But before that, let's cover a bit of news. So first up in the news, um, Rokus OS that we mentioned before in our previous episode is now out with some with a new version. Uh, it's available for download. It comes integrated with some cryptocurrencies. So on the previous version of Rokus OS, you had uh, only Bitcoin and OKCash, which now on the new version, I believe it's version 5, are updated. And included in on this are some new cryptocurrencies. I'm going to try and run through this list rather quickly because he has a bunch, which are Blackcoin, Game Credits, Digital Coin, Diamond Coin, Energy Coin, Europe Coin, Soil, Metal Coin, which I do like that one, Transfer Coin, and Mojo Coin. Each of these currencies are super easy to use. It also has some new custom wallpapers, a out-of-the-box firewall, which is ready to use, a full Debian upgrade. It's using IceWeasel as the browser, which I'm a big fan of that one. And if you're looking to use this OS and you want to try it out, be aware that it is 2.2 gig download. I believe that's right, Joe. Yeah, and then once you unzip it, it's kind of like six, seven gigabytes, I think. It's it's pretty hefty because there's a lot pre-installed, basically. But you know what? There's one cryptocurrency that's not in there. Dogecoin. What happened to that? <laughs> I also was hoping for the uh, Kanye coin a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Kanye West, I think it was called, yeah. But uh, we both tried this uh, out before, and I found it super easy to use and get up and running. It's a super unique OS, and if you are, any of our listeners are really big into cryptocurrencies and you just have to use them on a daily basis, and you are, you're really interested in the concept, highly recommend you check this OS out. I believe it's one of a kind. I haven't seen anything like this before. And it comes integrated with, like we said, with the wallets, the cryptocurrencies out of the box. I, I, I enjoyed it. I just don't really use cryptocurrencies on a daily basis, but I did enjoy using it. Yeah, and the theming's really, really nice, isn't it? With Rokos, or Rokos, whatever it's called, the uh, they've got the Numix icons, and and it looks, I don't know, much more modern than a standard Raspbian. So uh, yeah, pretty impressed with it. Now we spoke to Andrew Mulholland back on episode fifteen about various things, including being a Raspberry Pi creative technologist, and he hinted at something that was going to happen, and now it's been officially announced. And that is the Creative Technologists New Works Exhibition, which originally was going to be in Northern Ireland, but now is going to be in Cambridge at Raspberry Pi HQ. And this looks pretty cool. It's kind of where art meets technology. Yeah, so if you're uh, like most of our listeners, you're probably wondering what exactly is a Raspberry Pi Creative Technologist. Well, it's a group of young individuals who are looking into ways of how to make technology further them along in their artistic paths. And they've definitely been working with the Raspberry Pi Foundation on on how exactly they can get this accomplished. And like you were saying, Joe, you know, it's going to be a pretty good show. Uh, it will be on, the exhibition will be on April 23rd. There are tickets available for either the afternoon show, which will be from 12 to 4, or the night show, which will be from 6 to 9. So at the exhibition, I believe you'll be able to not only see the work they've put together, but equally meet them and see how they were able to accomplish this idea of being a creative technologist and what that exactly means yeah it looks very interesting uh, highly recommended yeah if any of our listeners do attend this event please send us an email to let us know how it went because we would really like to hear about it yeah yeah show at the pie so one that i saw doing the rounds quite a lot was this western digital drive and uh they they call it the the western digital pie drive and it's 314 gigabytes hmm, i wonder why it's 314 hmm <laughs> 
Thank you for clearing that up because I actually have in my show notes that these are some really weird specific specs. I've never seen that before. So thank you. Thank you, Joe, for reminding me I'm an idiot. But um, <laughs> What, you didn't realize it was because it's Pi? I did not realize it. No, I totally did not. I was just sitting there like, 314? That's so odd. And the price is 3142? Like, why is this so specific? I've never seen this. I mean, it is, it is literally word for word that is in my show notes. But... Uh, <laughs> And now I don't know where to go with the story. But anyway, this looks like, uh, I believe they created a external hard drive before, if I'm correct. That was really nice. I, I didn't jump on the boat for that one. I definitely feel like I need to jump on the boat for this one. I think there was something unique about this. Uh, Berry Boot, I need to read more about this. Look like a customizable OS required to boot this external hard drive up. But I think uh, the price is really great. And I, I love the fact that this we're seeing more and more of this, which is more space available for Raspberry Pi components at a cheaper price. So are you going to get one of these, Joe? Well, I don't really need to get one because I've been playing around with uh, an external hard drive that I've got that's got its own power supply, so I don't need to worry about that aspect of it. But if you haven't got one of those, then this is optimized for the Pi, and it's pretty low power, and it looks like uh, absolutely ideal if, if you want some more space. And, I mean, during my experimentation with that external hard drive, especially with the Pi 3, I got really good performance, much better than from uh, the SD card. So if you are looking to squeeze every little bit out of the Pi, then this could be a, a brilliant way to do that. And also up in the news is one very unique and amazing case. And this is just one most, in my, my opinion, hands down, most amazing case I've seen so far. So a company out of Spain by the name of RaspPiPC.es is selling, or I should say was selling because they're currently out of stock of this, which doesn't surprise me in the least. It was a Lego case for the Raspberry Pi that, when fully constructed, becomes an original Nintendo. And this case has all the openings for the Raspberry Pi ports. It's compatible with the Raspberry Pi 3. And I'm going to uh, be checking their website religiously because I would love to get my hands on one of these. Yeah, it looks really cool. It looks exactly like the old Nintendo Entertainment System. So, yeah, let's hope it comes back in stock soon, eh? Yeah, I hope so. Also in news, we have Raspbian and Noobs updates, and it looks like there was some updates released for Raspbian. Uh, looks, I believe, it's some fixes for issues that were occurring with the wireless. Also, Noobs now includes Open Elect in its list of possible OS installs. Yeah, which is a great way to get Cody going on the on the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, I think you need network to get that going. But yeah, the the Raspbian update is fairly minor. I think it's it's just kind of bug fixes. There's nothing new. And exciting, really. It's, it's just kind of stability and, and gradual improvements, just like we expected, really, with the new Pi being out. There's a bit of tweaking to do. And I think we'll probably see one or two more releases like this where there's no kind of new standout features, but it's just refinement and making the Bluetooth work better and wireless work better and that kind of thing. Yeah, there appears to be some issues still with the Bluetooth on Raspbian when trying to use the Blue Man utility. I think you can still do it through CLI, but yeah, I totally agree, Joe. It's still going to be a little bit of a refinement process as it keeps moving along. Do you use Raspbian as your de facto OS, or is that you go to that one when you're playing with Raspberry Pi? It depends, really. I mean, I play around with Ubuntu Mate and also Raspbian. Just it depends on what I'm I'm doing at the time, really. Um, I'm kind of more comfortable with Ubuntu for server stuff, um, but. If I want to get Bluetooth working, then that's the only way to do it at the moment. And as you said, I tried to get it going with Blue Man, and it's just not happening really. So the only way is the command line interface. Bluetooth in Linux is a tricky thing, and uh, you know it's been 
a bit ropey for quite a long time and it's starting to get good in the latest version of Ubuntu. So I'm hoping that uh, a new version of Blue Man might come along and um, hopefully we can get first class Bluetooth support going on the uh, Raspberry Pi. Yeah, that be, would be really, really nice. I haven't used Noobs in a super long time and I do still use Raspbian in passing, but that is becoming less and less. Uh, for me, I usually use Lubuntu since it's been out. I've been using it more and more. And I agree with you, Ubuntu Mate is another great distro, and I kind of flip-flop between those two. Yeah. Well, Noobs is great because you don't have to do any DDing or you know, image writing. You just literally copy the files over and then and boot it up. So I can see why people like Noobs. I mean, I don't really need to, to use it. I mean, the clue's in the name there. It's for people who are new to it. But um, I think if you are new to it, it's a very useful thing to have. So this is a bit of an off-the-wall on the next story, and that is about a steam-powered Raspberry Pi from Sweden. Uh, yeah, this project takes the word, I mean, the, literally the word steampunk to a new level. Um, no matter how many times I've looked at this project, which has been several over the past few days, I, it still leaves me speechless. So, so once upon a time, steam engines once ruled the world, and it appears that there is one person in particular that yearns for those days. And this user goes by the handle Alex Pro, I believe, and he or she has posted a YouTube clip of a Raspberry, Raspberry Pi Zero being powered by Steam. So the Steam is created, then used to power some pistons, which, it, which will turn a flywheel, which will power a DC motor, which then I believe will power the Raspberry Pi Zero, which then leaves me completely speechless. Yeah, this is one of those things of doing it because you can do it. There's no real reason when you could just plug it into a, you know, a nice power supply, but it's uh, a bit of fun. And uh, it just shows that people are really inventive with the Raspberry Pi. It's, it's just kind of an excuse to do projects for the sake of doing it, to learn about steam engines and that kind of thing. Yeah, I really love the versatility of the Pi, and this completely shows that. And I've seen some people kind of slam this project as being totally pointless. And to me, it's I think it's simply amazing. I love it. I love seeing projects like this. I'd like to see more projects like this. And a big shout out to Alex Pros for putting this together because I don't think it's pointless at all. Like like you said, Joe, it just shows things that can be done with the Raspberry Pi. There's, I mean, anybody can plug one in, but to power by Steam, that's a whole other level. So I still yearn for the gas-powered Raspberry Pi. It's coming. I feel it. Yeah. So the Raspberry Pi Oracle weather stations have been shipped out, or the first batch at least, and these have gone out to schools all over the UK. And this looks really cool. It's basically everything you need to have a weather station and to start recording weather data. And it, it brings together all sorts of different subjects at school and teaches kids about geography and, um, you know, weather and also computers as well. So it's uh, really cool to see this. Yeah, we mentioned these weather kits before because I'm a humongous weather nerd. But to put together your own weather station using Raspberry Pi is a little, I want to say complicated, but it's not the easiest project to go about doing. It requires quite a few more pieces, you need to be able to handle some concepts such as weather, uh, waterproofing and weatherproofing and Raspberry Pi, stuff of that nature. And when I saw this, I was just utterly shocked. I believe that the UK schools are kind of a test run to make sure that the delivery is going correct and that the hardware and software is all functioning correctly. And they have about a thousand more schools, I believe, located, uh, I want to say globally, that they're going to be giving these out to. And for those that are interested, these are not available for commercial sale yet. So they're still, I guess, debating whether or not to do that. I I have noticed, though, that if you are interested in the kits, you can download the software on the download section of the Raspberry Pi website. I just noticed a couple of days ago, and I went and pulled it down um, 
Also, when I first noticed it, it's about a 1.5 gig image file. And with that comes exactly just the weather software out of the, out of the box. So if anybody's interested in it, please uh, download that and give it a shot. And you can probably use it on your own weather station project. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. And uh, hopefully they'll roll it out to even more schools pretty soon. So let's end the news with just a quick tip. And that is, we've mentioned the Magpie before as being a great resource for finding inspiration for various projects. But if you look on the Raspberry Pi website at raspberrypi.org slash resources or resources, you'll see a whole load of stuff to do, loads of projects and information there. And it's well worth checking out. Yeah, I noticed this uh, once, I believe Albert put in the show notes. This is amazing. I mean, the what a collection of projects i'm just kind of flipping through right now i'm looking at there's um sensor hat pong flappy astronaut gravity simulator minecraft photo booth i mean this is just endless and we're just barely now halfway through it there's actually a fart detector i just noticed that one that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah that's uh, just kind of caught my eye i was just reading through them but yeah there is a ton of projects and if you click on any of them the directions are pretty self-explanatory just it's typical what we expect of the Raspberry Pi org site, which is just great tutorials, great explanations for what you need to do and how to get started on it. Yeah. So that'll do it for the news then. Let's move on to the interview. We're now joined by Dan Knight, the creator of Diet Pie. So welcome, Dan. Hi, guys. How are you doing? You all right? Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Good. So as ever, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Uh, so basically, um, I like to code, um, and diet pie is a way for me to basically have a little bit of fun, but also help people that use, uh, you know, raspberry pies, et cetera, et cetera. And what was the inspiration for diet pie? So what, what, what will it do for people? Um, well, basically, I mean, it, it started a few years ago. Um, well, before then, um, when the actual raspberry pies came out, I mean, they're small devices. They're not very powerful. Um, and I found that there wasn't really anything out there that could give it the performance that it deserves. So Diet Pie started as a uh, minimal uh, Debian image of Raspbian. And basically, we just built on it from there. And so now it's kind of a lot bigger than that in terms of its feature set. Can you tell us a little bit about what you can achieve with it? I mean, yeah, so it, it started as a minimal uh, Debian image, um, and that's basically what it is if you just want an image. Um, but what we've actually done is we give you a system where you can actually install software that's already optimized for you, um, and it's all automated. So you basically just tell the system what you want, and it will go ahead and install it all for you and configure it. And how is that different to, we say, using something like apt-get? I mean, without get, um, it's just, I mean, that's a case of uh, you install the software, um, but, but then you're required to go through the configuration files, set up how you want it, um, and also you need to figure out what optimizations you need to apply that are actually going to uh, benefit your system. And obviously, DietPie does all that for you. I think I heard you say we. So, are you working alone with Diapower, or is there? Do you have a, some some people below you, or a team working on it? <laughs> no, no, it's um, it's just me. Um, but uh, I mean, it's one of those things you say we now and again, and uh, kind of sticks. So it's just me and my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> and what software can Diapi do at this point? 
uh, what software can it install? Yeah. Yeah, from the menu. Oh, crikey. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a list, but I'll give you a few of the the main ones that get installed. Um, so you've got Pihole, uh, which is a network uh, advert blocker. Uh, you've got Own Clouds, uh, Web Server Stacks, um, Kodi. There's lots of audio applications on there. There's literally too many to say. You'd have to check the list. <laughs> so uh, how long did it, did it take you to create DatPod from your, I guess, the inspiration to the end product? Um, well, it's it's not really uh, when I started. It's more of a, it's like, an, it's, it's basically evolved um, from when I started. It was just a minimal image. Um, and then someone said to me, you know, why can't we have some sort of software that gets installed um, and is optimized? And then we just basically, I say we, uh, but we basically um, just went from there and gradually added to it uh, to the point where it is now. So does that mean we say, you know, if you pick one of the, the pieces of software, you say it does all the optimization. Did you have to install things manually, figure out all the optimizations that had to be done, and then build that into the menu? You know, is it like a lot of manual coding and config files that Bash calls on? Uh, well, basically, I mean, most of the optimizations are, are based on the device itself. Um, so if you're on a Raspberry Pi, for example, there's known settings that are generally best for your system. Um, but we also take it further. So if you, for example, install the BitTorrent software, uh, which is transmissioned, there's settings in there that will be applied depending on the device you're using and how much obviously memory you've got, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it knows if it's on a, a Pi 1 or a, a Pi 2 or one of the other devices that it's targeted for, and then it, it figures out exactly what to do in those cases? Yeah, so obviously the Raspberry Pi has got two um, architects. You've got the uh, the single core, which is the first one, and you've got the, uh, the quad core. Um, so, for example, if you select a own cloud uh, installation. It will go ahead and optimize the Apache server depending on how many cores you've got. Um, and then the PHP caches, uh, the NOP caches will then be a split of how much memory you've actually got on the system. So it's, it's basically unique, but we do, we do uh, look at what system you're on and then go from there. So what does it take to get, we say, new software added to the uh, the installation menu? Um, so basically it works on, at the moment, um, somebody will request the software that they want, and then obviously I'll go ahead and run some tests, uh, prototype the uh, the installation code, and then the next release of DietPy, it will be updated and the, uh, the, the new option would be available. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. So looking back on it, Dan, is there anything you wish you would have done differently from the beginning when you created DatPine, knowing what it is now? Yeah, I mean, if I could start again, I would probably start it as a C++ um, language. Um, but the problem was when I started, I didn't know it was going to be this big. And it's got to a stage now where Bash is really reaching its limits on what it's capable of doing, um, for me anyway. Um, so, yeah, if it started again, I would have picked C++. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of laughing because that is typical for any given software project where you suddenly 
look back on it and realize your original limitations or whatever your, your chosen framework was. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, but um, you never know in the future, I might um, go down that route and, and see what happens. So it's a pretty versatile bit of software or, you know, the installer can install all different types of software. What are you finding to be the most popular configuration? Um, so the uh, the most popular installation uh, setup that users um, are installing um, is Pi-hole. And uh, Pi-hole is a... It basically allows you to block adverts on your network, um, and that's that's the main one that we see. Is that using a host's file then? Um, it, it's the same thing, but no. It, it there's um, a DNS mask installation, um, and it did use a host file, but we I, I spoke to the guy that actually made it, and uh, they've changed it a little bit. But yeah, it's the same thing. It, it basically blocks addresses on list so that just sits on the network then and uh, blocks ads kind of network wide yeah so um, the the best uh, way to install uh, Pi-hole is to tell um, your router uh, which is the main hub in your your house um, to actually go to the Pi-hole first before giving you access to the web page um, so what happens is let's say you've got a tablet that's connected to the uh, the router and you go onto a site, um, for example, that's blocked, um, it will just come up with a blocked message rather than download all these adverts, flash things, and, you know. How much is involved from the user side to get that working? Because, I, I mean, that just sounds fantastic. Um, we, we try to make it as minimal um, as possible for the uh, end user. But there are there's two methods to install it. You can either, obviously, once it's, once it's installed with DiaPi, you can either... Um, go onto the device that you want to use, um, say your PC, and then you can point the IP addresses um, towards the the Pi Hole system. Mm-hmm. And the the other option is, as I said earlier, if you go onto the the router configuration, you can actually change the DNS server, and then obviously you'd put the IP address of the Pi Hole system um, in there, and then all the computers on your network would. Uh, would have that pie hole blocking. Yeah, that sounds great. I was listening to uh, a different podcast and they mentioned something like on some of the big commercial websites, up to 70% of the, uh, the the content downloaded to viewer web pages, third party sites for ad tracking and, and, uh, and advertising. So, you know, the page could be 30% of the content or 30% of the, uh, the information you have to download. Would, would it help in that case? Would it block all of those other sites? I mean, yeah. Um, for an example, I, I actually use it in my uh, network at home, and roughly every day about 30% of all the network traffic is blocked, which is adverts. Um, so obviously that saves your bandwidth, um, pop-ups, etc., etc. So yeah, it, it's probably worth putting on everybody's uh, network, to be honest. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. And the Raspberry Pi, I mean, the network and the USB are the one thing, does it? Does that influence the speed, or I presume it just maxes out based on what the USB can handle? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie. There, there, there is some latency um, with the Raspberry Pi um, because of the USB 2 architecture built into the processor. But, um, I mean, generally speaking, it, you wouldn't notice it 
it's probably a few hundred milliseconds. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the future for Diet Pie, then what should we expect coming down the, down the line? Um, <laughs> if I knew, um, I'd be able to answer, but I, I generally it's, <laughs> it's just a, an evolving project. So if something comes along that I think would benefit the users, I'll probably go ahead and, and put it in, but what that is or when, um, anything could happen. <laughs> so no grand plans then it just kind of stability and, um, refinement by the sounds of things. Yeah, for now, just a case of uh, adding installation options for the users. And I mean, we recently did a uh, automation uh, system where people can literally write the the image onto the SD card, and then you can just download um, a file, just one file, put it onto the card, and then when you actually boot the system on, it would install everything for you automatically. So it's things like that. Brilliant. I. I um in testing, I, I installed OwnCloud, which, again, I've heard of a lot, never installed, and five minutes. Five minutes, it was up and running, installed the, the client on my Windows PC, and it was synchronizing straight away. And I must admit, something like OwnCloud, everybody says there's a lot of config files that need to be modified and adjusted and changed, and you know, especially on the Pi optimized for it. So it looks like you've done a fantastic job in that case. Yeah, I mean, the goal is to make it as easy as possible and as simple as possible for the user to install software without having to research everything about the installation procedure. And then obviously you get the benefit with DietPy of the, uh, the optimizations as well. And it's also the configuration, isn't it? it? Because these applications are not just in their default state. You've kind of done a bit of the work to, to make it easier in that sense. Yeah, um, we try and do as much as possible um, to make it easy. Um, I mean, with OwnCloud, we actually, when you install it, the software will actually create uh, an SQL database and configure um, an Apache web server and everything for you. Yeah, well, as I said, I'm, I have no idea what you did, but it, it worked fantastically for me. So thank you. Oh, brilliant. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> so if people want to find out more about you and about DietPy, where's the best place to, to go? There's loads of places. I mean, you could, obviously, the main one is uh, dietpie.com, and that is the the main website for DietPie. But also, you'll find us in the various forums for Raspberry Pi and other devices. That's fantastic. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what else comes down the line and and also playing with it. There's a few um, server options that I definitely would like to play, but I know that the squeeze boxes in there, there's the DLNA server, BitTorrent, as again mentioned, OwnCloud, I'm looking to get that installed on some of the computers around here. And that um, ad blocker, I like the sound of that. Yeah, I mean, there's so much on there. Um, you'd be surprised if you have a Raspberry Pi 2, what you can actually do with it. I mean, I've, I've got installations where I've had OwnCloud, BitTorrent, Kodi, Desktop. And because we optimize it all, it, it runs actually really well. And I think you'd be surprised from, from what you can get with a, a Raspberry Pi 2. Fantastic. So thank you so much for for making Diet Pi. Keep us informed of uh, of what happens with it and things that are coming down the line, and we'll uh, give it a mention again. Yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, that's a pretty good interview there with Dan Knight. Um, 
I at first I had never heard of Diet Pie. One of our listeners actually reached out to us, I believe through Twitter, and recommended um, the this OS to us, and then that got us in touch with Dan Knight. I, I was really surprised. A uh, great project. Uh, the more I play with Linux, the more I yearn for OSs that are slimmed down. I, I notice myself going through OSs nowadays and ripping out parts that I don't need or will never use. And DiPi provides that right out of the box. And I, so I'm a very big fan of that concept, big fan of configuration and customizable software. So thank you very much, Dan Knight. And I really like DiPi. Highly recommend our listeners check it out. Yeah, it's a great distro. So with that, we're coming to the end of another Pi Podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepiepodcast.com, find us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Isaac, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion. Bye, everyone. See you later. <laughs>